What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me are my two Greek co-hosts, Federico Perez and Ralph Hanna. And guys, here we are. It is 2024. Happy New Year to everyone that celebrates. Obviously, here we are in year four of Guarani Vision. It's hard to believe that we're already in year four after such a, a wonderful time that we've had together covering multiple things in, in Paraguayan football. You know, obviously, we've been really fortunate for the support and the the, uh, the traction that we've gotten over the years. And we hope that we can continue to get that in this big year for Paraguay football from a club standpoint, from a national team standpoint. Obviously, a lot is going to be made on the national teams and on all fronts. And of course, how the clubs are going to do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Obviously, here in 2024, it's a, it's a big year for me and Ralph here based in the States and for Feta as well in Paraguay of tournaments that are going on all across South America. It's uh, it's a big one. It's a big one to see where Paraguay stand in this kind of whole process. But let's go into our co-host and let's go to Feta, who I've had the fortune of seeing with his beard. And now he's all clean shaven, ready to start the new year on a new phase, hopefully a, a new uh, mentality, I guess, on how he's going to view Paraguay and football as a whole. I mean, we'll see what kind of takes he has this year. But Feta, man, how are you? It's good to see you. And yeah, looking forward to a, a really big 2024 for, for all of us. Hi, Roberto. Hi, Ralph. Happy New Year to everybody that's always listening to What a Need Vision, uh, like we do it here, Paraguayan football, but just like nobody does it in English. And that's what we do here another year. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, yeah, we got together, Roberto. We got to see each other right before uh, the holidays, right before the craziness of Christmas and, and New Year's. That's always a crazy time, especially here in Paraguay. Now the city's pretty much empty in January. You guys know what I'm talking about. Everybody off to the beach, everybody off to their vacations. But yeah, enjoy the summer a bit while we're waiting for football to start back. I'm actually uh, already, uh, I'm, I'm already thinking about those games. I'm, I'm, I'm already waiting for those big matches to come up. I, I want football to be back around, to be honest with you guys. We had so much going on between... Uh, this off season, even with with hard and sad news, I mean, it's not the way I wanted it to start off. But uh, apparently, this Apertura will be named in honor and memory of Ivan Almeida Romero, who unfortunately left us on December twenty third, right before Christmas, which an unfortunate uh, news that he passed away, and and his son still plays in first division. I mean, he actually got the opportunity to manage him last season in Taquari. He's going to be back now in Olympia. Uh, I'm talking about Ivan Almeida's son, his father, also a legend of, of the Paraguayan game itself, one of the best coaches this 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 country has seen. And Ivan was kind of trying to make his own uh, life also, trying to make his own as a head coach lately. He has certain success, and you can see that he still had a lot, uh, a, a whole career in front of him, only 45 years old. And the Apertura will be named after him. I think the Clausura will be named after Nacional, who is going to turn 120 years old. Uh, also in this 2024, we saw a lot of several good players also leave our league. Uh, Roberto, we got to talk about that. The best players are the ones that are always uh, get bought, right? That's what happened last year with Julian Zizou, with Enzo Gonzalez that went to the Premier League. Hopefully, we still can get a couple of signings like that. I don't know. There's a couple of names still going around that could go to big leagues. I'm following what's going on with Ramon Sosa, for instance. Uh, Fulham is still apparently after him. There was uh, even mentions 
of Everton. And we're talking about one of the best players in the national team, probably the best player of the, in the national team as of last year. Uh, talk about the big signings, the Pre-Olimpico, the Sudamericano, the under-23 is going to play in just a couple of days. we got to talk about that list because there's a whole bunch of good players uh, on that on that team. And it's been over 20 years since we haven't been to uh, – uh, on Olympic Games, uh, so I'm looking forward to having a good Pre-Olimpico and maybe clinch one of those two spots with Roberto Ralph. It's so good to be back. I'm ready to kick it off in this 2024. Yes, Ralph. Obviously, we are glad to have you on board. And just like Fede had mentioned, obviously, you always providing your insight on what's going on with Paraguayans, be it in Paraguay, abroad, women's players as well. Obviously, you know, we have the uh, the CONCACAF Gold Cup where Paraguay will be participating right in your backyard starting next month. So, yeah, it's a it's a lot to, to go with. And, yeah, unfortunately, I, I, we do have to mention the the sad passing of Ivan Almeida, the uh, the legendary, the son of the legendary Everu Almeida, also the father of Matias Almeida, a player at Olympia. It's, uh, it was really sad when I was able to, when I was there in Paraguay and just hearing about it, you know, someone, I didn't know about this this heart condition that he had and yeah he was so young to to pass away as well it's uh it's really unfortunate to to see that occur to him because you know he was what i think it was like 45 or something so very young and he was making his career as a manager at taquare obviously you know had his time at and get river played as well so yeah really sad news about what happened to to him and, and to his family as well yeah, that's right. It's, it's a sad note to, to start the podcast, but I also wanted to say uh, Ivan Almeida was was also very, he was very much loved by a lot of the pundits as well, because obviously Fede works at, at Tigo Sports where, where he was working because he was doing punditry. Sometimes he was becoming a coach. He was kind of between, often between the two the two jobs. And and I remember actually when uh, Ever, his father was was very ill with with COVID. If you remember during the pandemic, he he was really hospitalized and 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 very sick, and and he pulled through. And then we found out that about this this heart condition, and but it was still obviously a huge surprise to everybody. Anybody who saw Ivan Almeida, he he looked very fit, in good shape. He um. He, he was, you know, he was very active on the on the sidelines and, and looked like he could still probably play a little bit as well. Um, and and one thing to mention about that, the what what has been the effect of, of Ivan Almeida's passing? Well, well, Sportivo Emiliano's coach has resigned, uh, and he's he's called Botellon Garcia because he is a big guy. He's he's very big. He's not in good shape, and he said after what happened to Ivan, he he basically got scared about thought about his life, his future, the pressure of being a coach. Um, and despite having a really good season with, with Emiliano, a return to Emiliano, uh, Umberto Garcia has actually stepped down as a coach and he's going to take some time off. It looks like he's going to try and, you know, look after himself, get lose some weight, get fit. But uh, but it's interesting to to see that the effect this has happened in the, in this has had, sorry, in the industry in, in Paraguay. And so, um, we have the Apertura named after him, but also I think we have a positive legacy of maybe people, especially coaches, looking after themselves and thinking about the stress the, the game can cause as well. But on to something, moving on to something more positive, right? We're talking about all this international football coming up. We've got the, the actually the women's under-17s as well. I don't think we mentioned that's that's also starting. Um, they have a tournament, a Commonwealth tournament. You have... The senior team here in Houston, where I'm going to be, and and hopefully going to the games uh, for for the Concacaf Women's Gold Cup. 
and then the Preolimpico that I'm sure we're about to to get into. And with the Preolimpico, of course, it's we said they haven't been there for 20 years. And the coach at the time, 20 years ago, is is back, right? It, it's Carlos Jara Saguier, who is, you know, he guided Paraguay to that silver medal back in Athens in 2004. We spoke to one of the players. If you go back in the archives, spoke to Freddy Barreiro, who at the time won a silver medal with, with Paraguay. And so he's back coaching uh, Saguier and Let's see if he can he can kind of find some of that magic with this new generation. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And obviously, we'll go into that right now as Paraguay will be participating in the pre-Olympic tournament uh, happening in Venezuela in about a couple of days. Obviously, the way this works is there are obviously 10 teams from Congo Ball uh, divided into two groups of five. The first two from each group will qualify to the final round. And then the final two from those four teams in the final stage will qualify for the Olympics in Paris. And looking at Paraguay's group real quick, they're in a, they're in a really tough one. They're in a really tough one where they go against Argentina, obviously a team that's always been talented, obviously have been to Olympic Games, two Olympic gold medals as well. Uruguay, always, always very strong, you know, reigning U20 champions at the minute uh, over there. Uh, in, uh, in Uruguay, Chile, and Peru also rounding off kind of the South Cone type of uh, group over there in Group B. But looking at, honestly, the um, this team as a whole, it's a really a, a who's who who's there. But also, you look at some of the names, and I'm going to fail on this one, on some of the names that Carlos had a Salier wasn't able to call up. He wasn't able to call up the likes of Romeo Benitez, uh, Paranaense, Damian Bovadilla, Matias Segovia, Julio Enciso. Uh, coming back from his injury from Brighton, Diego Gonzalez of Lazio, Hugo Cuenca is having a really good time at Milan at the Primavera, is probably going to get a call up to the first team very, very soon. Uh, Matias Galarza, Talleres, you know, and, and many other players that haven't been called up. But looking at the list, you know, there are some big names to mention, some who have already played on the Paraguay national team, like Diego Gomez at Inter Miami, uh, Ivan Leguizamon from Sarmiento, Enzo Gonzalez at Wolves. You know, hasn't been getting a lot of game time uh, for the first team at all, and he and you know Wolves have decided to to put him into this kind of this pre Olympic tournament for for playing time essentially. So, and looking at some of the other players as well, you know, you got Alex Antero, really good player with Veda. Obviously, there's been some really Fernando Cardoso, another nice name that I think a lot of people will have some attention on. So, yeah, I just want your thoughts really on Paraguay's list and and just their. I guess their chances of getting out of this group and ultimately to qualify for the Olympics in, in Paris, which, you know, like you said, it's been 20 years since Athens. Hard to believe that Paraguay have been able to play in an Olympic tournament. Yeah, first of all, it is a new process with uh, Carlos Santos Jara Xavier, which has not managed big teams lately. Uh, if you look at his resume, he actually has, was managing second, third division. He hasn't had many opportunities in the first division lately. Well, that's actually happened with a lot of coaches that kind of have gone over time, right? Uh, you're seeing that in first division lately, they're only uh, hiring young coaches. And for, for people like Carlos Carasayer, who has, who has a tremendous curriculum, especially with what he uh, was able to get in 2004 with the only medal that this country has ever seen, uh, you would have thought he would be, in, in a different place in his career right now, you know, after 20 years of that, of, of what happened back then. But I would say that both the national team and 
and he also needed the national team. He kind of needed that that comeback because he haven't been able to go back to an Olympic game, and no one has really been able to manage the young players. Also, it's it's kind of been hard to 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 put more than three four names in the uh, in the senior national team from the under twenty three. So hopefully that transition does happen now. Besides the fact of qualifying, obviously to the Olympic Games. I want to see some of these big names, some of the names that before the tournament starts, that they have a great, that they have good games and hopefully that they pass the, that exam. And Daniel Garnero, the head coach of the senior team, is obviously going to be following this tournament, taking notes, and maybe a couple of those names we might see get them, uh, get their chance uh, also on the Copa America. Even some of these names on the list have already played on on, on the senior national team. You, me- you mentioned Alexis Cantero, Ivan Ivan Leguizamón is also there. He was one of the last names called. Uh, he plays in Argentina in San Lorenzo. There's a couple of names that I have never seen, like Juan Jose Cardoso from Argentina, Argentinos Juniors from Argentina. Also, he's a midfielder. But then there are names that you that you that you're thinking that the team is going to be built around. Obviously, Enzo Gonzalez uh, after what he's done in Wolverhampton and 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 obviously uh, the time that he spent there. We'll see what he can bring to the team uh, from the creative uh, point of view, because he's going to be, I, I think, in that midfield trying to create football for this team. Uh, Diego Gomez is going to have to be probably one of the best midfielders. Uh, there's a lot of expectations around him. Uh, I think he's going to have to be even one of the leaders, right? Because he is playing alongside with Messi. So the expectation with these players, I think it's above the average with the rest. Uh, and they're going to have to outshine. Uh, they're going to have to have a great tournament. Besides the fact that they're already playing in big teams, and that was the big problem with the names that you mentioned, Roberto, with the names that couldn't come. And I don't understand the situation between FIFA, Comebol, and the Olympic Games. Why aren't these players available for us? Why can't we bring them to our national team? I understand Brazil. I understand Argentina. They have way too many players. They can deal with this situation. We don't have that many players. The, the players that are left out are the best players. And those are the players that can take us to the Olympic Games. So, unfortunately... We do have to build a team besides that situation. And, yeah, I'm hoping for a great tournament from Kevin Parsahuk. Uh, I think he's going to be the starting nine, probably, in the center forward in this team. And then and then I have a lot of doubts in in, in other aspects of this team. I, I'm talking about defense. I'm talking about the goalkeeper position. I look at all three goalkeepers that were called up, and none of them are yet have yet had time in first division. So... We're going to have to see how this team uh, reacts in competition, Roberto. And I talked about uh, a new process, but this process started kind of late. Uh, it, it started last year. It started, at, I believe, mid-year last year. That's when Carlos Jarasaguer took over. That's when he started looking for players. And he kind of had to get together a whole new coaching staff because the ones that are uh, working with him, besides him for this tournament, are are really young coaches, Rob. So I don't know how the chemistry between the head coach and the rest of the staff and with the players is going to be because most of these players have not had much time to practice or to get together and ready for this tournament. But obviously, we've been there. We've gotten a silver well before, so we got to get back to the Olympic Games eventually after 20 years. Yeah, the the big the big game I think is you would you would hope we can beat Chile and Peru. That were, those would be two games we're aiming to win. And then really the big game and and to get that second place is with Uruguay. Who Paraguay are playing tomorrow in a friendly that they're actually in Punta de Este right now. 
getting ready for that friendly and then they're going to play for real in in Venezuela. And I think that's going to be a really key game to see if they can get through the group because that's the first task, right? Just getting through the group. And then you have to try and finish in the top two, which means you need to knock out either Brazil or Argentina. So it's a, it's a huge task. It's, it's, it's very... It's very difficult, um, especially missing some of the players you you mentioned. It's it's a big year, though. I think for a lot of these players, like you were saying, there's there's some players that that are there to really become the leaders of the team. So Enzo Gonzalez, Diego Gomez, but then you have some players that you know that after this tournament they're going back to their clubs and they have a big opportunity. I'm talking about Gilberto Flores, for example, the the Libertad centre back who was getting some game time. Then he kind of missed out on that game time but uh, Barbosa has just been sold by Libertad we'll talk about that a bit more as we do the Apertura preview but essentially it's a left-footed centre-back it's it's the position that he can fill and he can play so is he going to take an important role for his team Parsa Hook like you mentioned as well he's looking more and more like he's going to become a, a key player for for Olympia we'll talk about them as well whether they can sign players whether they can't sign players because of the FIFA sanction it's, it's everything's kind of moving around, but they've called him back from Guairenia where he was on loan and where he was playing very well and getting minutes. Um, they've let Alan Wilk go, who was his his kind of partner in the in the reserves and under twenties. So they're they're probably banking a lot on on Parso Hook. And then you have someone like Marco Gomez as well, who for Olympia has had times where he's been a key player in that midfield and times where maybe he wasn't the same with Wilde Vieira and Cerro. There's been moments when you thought Vieira was going to be the, the next player to get sold by Cerro abroad. And then he kind of dropped off a bit and Boadilla upped his level and, and is Boadilla who made the jump to, to Brazil. So I think there's there's a lot of kind of storylines for these players that are in different positions of, of where they might go. But this is a huge tournament for, for all of them for those different reasons. And yeah, the, the big question is how do I think, how do we match up against Uruguay and how do we match up against Argentina? Because those are going to be the... The key games. Maybe we don't beat Argentina in the first round group, but you're going to have to beat them in the second round to have a chance to go to Paris. It's uh, it's a big task, and you know, like I mentioned before, this uh, to Pede, I'll go to, to you on this one. This is a Uruguay side with the majority of the players who won the U20 World Cup in Argentina, so they know what it's like to win, and they get the fortune in comparison to other teams that have their own like U20, U23 manager. They get Marcelo Bielsa as they're kind of the guy that guided. So you got someone that knows what it's like to handle youth. You know, he's always been a, a, uh, a key advocate on that. And so it just makes it even more difficult, but yeah, I mean, this friendly that's going to be happening uh, this weekend against Uruguay is a good test. And, you know, obviously friendlies are not exactly a, a huge barometer of what could happen in the tournament, but it's good to have a good result there. And yeah, I think that the, the uh, the goal is to beat them. And then, of course, the big task to beat a Brazil side with a lot of these players in Argentina. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask for. It's a short tournament. You got to play every three days, pretty much like a World Cup. You're going to need pretty much all players to be in top shape and in top form. Hopefully, we do get that when a player uh, uh, gets injured or when somebody needs to come out. Uh, from the bench, hopefully we do get that uh, uh, that player that makes a difference. Also, I think we have that depth. If you look at the list, you have those players that can make the difference. That that just like Ralph was saying, had a real really good year. I mean, it was not easy probably for for our head coach to make that final list of just twenty three players. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to 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 the to the opportunity of taking these big teams. 
uh, these countries that have worked a lot better than us in youth leagues, to be honest. I mean, that's also a bargain on this FA right now on this front office that they haven't been able to qualify for, for youth, world, for the young uh, World Cups and, and for the Olympic Games. So that's also something that, that Robert Harrison's front office needs to get get off their checklist, I believe, you know, and, and it would be a, a great way to start the year off for the national team is going to be a, a huge year with the Copa America with big games coming up for the qualifiers also for the senior national team. Let's not forget we're going to play Brazil and not, 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 not far from now. So uh, I, I hope, I, I really hope that we start with the right foot with the right way and with the style that we're accustomed to seeing also, Roberto, when you have a coach like Carlos Harasaguer coming back, you, 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 I'm also thinking, hey, we're gonna go back to our roots. We're gonna, we're gonna have set pieces goals again. We're gonna, we're gonna be strong again. We're gonna be mentally strong again in the in the field like we haven't been lately with the senior team. I, I hope those changes uh, are made. I hope we, we see that right away in the first games because we're gonna need not only the results but also uh, I, I believe uh, see uh, differently from from a lot of a lot of things differently from our team. Yeah, that's the rough. That's the beauty of football. Sometimes that you know, sometimes you get these results, and I think, you know, in a in an age where we see this kind of advance, especially from a youth level now, especially with like scouting and and like trying to analyze it properly more than ever. I don't know where Paraguay stands in regards to that, but I'd imagine they're trying their best to understand that analytically they can allow their teams to perform well and understand that what is the strengths and weaknesses of their opponent and of their team as well so there is that advantage and even like Fed has said going back to our roots going back to someone who you know has done it before has managed to decide albeit a different generation um there is that hope and i think you know getting it right on the on the first track against argentina and uruguay in the first games is going to be a, a good barometer about where we stand but you know, if they get positive results there, I mean, that's that allows them to build confidence going forward. But it's always that final step of going into the final stage where they finally, where they really fall at the last hurdle. That's always the the big Achilles heel with a lot of these Paraguay teams that have done it in the past as well. Yeah, because I think what uh, what Fede mentioned is that you're playing the games in such a short space of time. It becomes that last final stage often becomes kind of a physical thing as much as anything right it's is not so much it's how do i maintain my performance playing all these minutes of intense football where i'm used to playing every friday morning or saturday morning in youth level obviously i know we have we're talking about we have some first team players here so with first team experience but talking about the under 17s under 20s that's usually been where where paraguay fall down that the kind of physical preparation isn't there. And and you notice that, by the way, when you see a player like Julian Ciso, like if you see a photo of from two years ago compared to now, just, just the preparation, physical preparation since he got to, to England uh, compared to what you're doing, your average Paraguayan youth player was doing. So I think that that plays into it a lot. Um, but it's interesting as well what Fede is mentioning about the style of play. And actually, sometimes in these tournaments, when you don't have much time to work together and, and everything's coming quickly. It's playing very simple football can actually be the most effective, right? We, we see that at international level a lot as well. The games are usually a bit more low scoring. Um, teams that are more kind of, you know, well-drilled on set pieces and, and a bit more defensive or cautious actually end up doing much better usually than the really free-flowing sides because you can't 
do you know you can't kind of put in a Pep Guardiola style overnight or for seven games. So that's an interesting thing I'm thinking, especially of the the contrast between Paraguay and Uruguay, where you're going to have Bielsa coming in. I'm sure Bielsa wants to play his style and his philosophy. And if we're honest, he might be okay if he doesn't get the results as long as he sees the style, where I think in the case of Paraguay, they're definitely more interested in results and making sure they they can get through. So, so it's going to be it's going to be a really good tournament. I was just trying to find out where they might be showing it here in the US, but uh, to be honest, I'm not sure where we can see it, but I'm hoping we can catch those games because there'll be there'll be some really interesting football. Yeah, it's also a good opportunity for a lot of scouts from European or, you know, places from around the world looking at some new talent. We're already seeing that with uh, one player. Obviously, um, a highly rated player, Valentin Barco, who is going to be playing in this tournament, just is going to get snapped up by Brighton. So who knows if we have some players on that disposal, you know, that are able to get snapped up by big teams in in the continent or or in the region or in the world. So I'm very interested. I'm very excited to see what, what happens. Always these tournaments are very fun, especially when it's when I have something on the line and hopefully Paraguay can impress and it will be a, a very tough group. Let's switch gears to what we're seeing now in our domestic league in Paraguay with the start of the Apertura coming next week. Obviously, the reigning champions, the, the big reigning champions, uh, Fede and Libertad, are really the team to beat. But we're going to focus on two teams that I think obviously are the ones that are going to have a, a big year for themselves as well, participating in different tournaments. With Olimpia, etc. Obviously, we'll start with Olimpia first because they are the team that have gotten in the news recently uh because of the sanction from fifa being uh removed and also the resignation of miguel cardona so as president of olympia so they're dealing with hopefully a new president you know obviously a, a team that's never been uh shy of criticism when it comes to their presidents they've had their issues and their kind of controversial ones but also their their sanction being lifted also has led to the signing of lucas prato lucas prato seems to be the one Obviously, with a ton of experience playing in Argentina and Brazil, among many other clubs, they're kind of the the main number nines that uh, Olimpia are trying to get. As for Cedro, they're also getting into some of this. They got rid of some players, but they got some new players as well. You know, being able to to hopefully uh, see themselves in a position where they can knock out Libertad, which are both teams are doing. You know, obviously Paraguay again, Cedro getting. Uh, Tiago Vecino of Uruguay, obviously uh, a player over their base there. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a big ask as well for for these two teams to you know crown a, a really good Libertad side. Uh, obviously, that are going to be very competitive, and I, I'd imagine they're the favorites to win this tournament yet again. But I think Olimpia and Cedro are really doing their best to to knock them off and and to knock them off their perch after dominating the Paraguay scene for for quite some time. They got to catch up. They got to catch up because Libertad is paying crazy salaries. They can get whoever they want on this uh, local market. They showed it once again while Olympia was trying to get their sanctions off, while Cerro was taking a long time to sign players. Uh, uh, Libertad said Alejandro Silva is going to be a free agent. Bring him on. You guys want Miguel Jaquet? Olympia wants Miguel Jaquet? Bring him on to us. Because they get also to Libertad. So this, this is what Libertad has done lately. I mean, they take the best players. They've taken a lot of players from Olympia. And uh, Libertad still built a great team. And they barely sell. And when they need to re-sign players, because those players have big offers from Brazil or other countries, 
they go, well, yeah, we can renew that contract. We can give you a better offer. And they did that with several players. That's what Olympia can't do. That's what several, most of the time, um, most these last couple of years have, haven't, been, haven't been able to do also. I mean, maintain some of the, the really good players. They're actually cho- choosing to, to sell. They did it once again. Uh, ever since the market opened, they, they sold probably the best player, which is Damian Bobadilla. He was the best player in the team as the year was ending. So they needed to start signing players and put the fans back at ease. Uh, I don't know which signing you guys think was the best one or will be the best one because the, they haven't started playing. But um, is it Prato really? Uh, how old is he now? 34, 35? How, how, much is he, how many goals did he score last year? I mean, I don't know if the expectations are going to be that high for him. I don't even know if he's going to get a starting role in this team after not uh, being there with Olympia in the preseason. I, I heard Chiqui Arce, the head coach of Olympia, the other day, and his expectations are with Guillermo Paiva having a great season uh, as a starting center forward, maybe even over Brueda, who has not had many opportunities uh, ever since Chiqui Arce has been the head coach. And then you might have Demis Gonzalez coming back to his best shape after doing the preseason, after uh, cleaning uh, what needed to be cleaned out of that knee in, in Brazil, just like Saúl Salcedo also did. They started the year off from scratch. Saúl Salcedo can be a very important defense uh, defender, especially after uh, they sold one of the best defense uh, defenders from last year, which is Mateo Gamarra, who went to Brazil. So Chiqui Asa needs to uh, move a couple players around. He still has Richard Ortiz in the midfield to be the leader. And if Demis Ortiz is going to, and if Demis Gonzalez is going to get the starting role and, and he's going to be one of the best players in this team, they're not going to miss Alejandro Silva. They're not going to miss uh, what they had to let go. And and the big signing so far is Prato. Uh, uh, I'm not convinced with him just because what I just for, because of what I saw from him last year. He he didn't have a starting role in in the teams that he was playing in Belis and in Defensa Justicia, which was the last team that he played for. Uh, but I am looking forward, Roberto Ralph, to seeing Juan Manuel Iturbe back in action in Paraguay. I think. This is the big name, guys. Uh, to be honest with you guys, uh, uh, this is a player that went through Europe. He played in really big teams, and I think he kind of needs to. Uh, he needs a comeback here in in Paraguay. He wants to make a name for himself again. He wants to get that respect back from the fans, just like Cecilio Dominguez did last year. And and look how well Cecilio actually ended the year, probably coming back to his best shape and and playing really well for the team. And I think the coach has a lot to do with that, Victor Bernay, and they gave him the confidence to stay on the team, to, to manage the team this year again, at least the start of the year. We'll see how he does with the results. But he's picked these players. He's put the confidence on these guys. And look, is going to play on one side. Cecilia's going to play on the other. They just signed a new center forward. Look out Look out for this central Porteño. I, I want to see how their friendlies go out. They're going to play a couple of friendlies in Colombia this weekend. And, yeah, they're not going to have their home stadium for the first games of the Apertura. But I'm looking forward to this team, Ralph, Roberto. I don't know what you guys think. But for me, the big signing of the season so far is Juan Manuel Iturbe for Cerro Porteño. Ah, that's interesting. I mean, Iturbe for me has, like you said, he has the quality that is. His quality is above the Paraguayan League, if we're honest. I mean, yes. He he has that that is it is similar to I think to Delis Gonzalez. They're almost too good for this league, but you know situations in life and things have seen them come back and 
and it, it's the same with a few um, yeah, with a few Libertad players. But I think with with Cerro and Olimpia, there's always that extra passion that you actually support the club as well, and you 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 want to do well for that for that team. My my issue with the Turbe has always been that well, two things I guess. One is is he going to be mentally playing to the level that or the the talent that he has, right? Hopefully, if he has something to prove, like you mentioned, we'll see that side of things and he won't feel that he is too good for this league and, and then not kind of perform to that top level. And then the other thing has always been tactically, he he's not great. <laughs> he's not great sometimes tactically. I'm remembering the game when Ramon Diaz puts him on against Brazil and, and he lets Dani Alves in, which I think, is that his last game in Paraguayan soil? I don't know, but... Um, you know, it's that kind of thing. How will he fit and be, and be able to fit into the system? But you're right that I think if you look at him compared to, say, Thiago Vecino, who's going to be the big foreign signing or the international signing, I mean, there's much more quality. Vecino is just a player that has done well in Uruguay. He's still a young striker. But when he went, I think he was in Argentina, right? He didn't have a great year. And that's why maybe he's trying to, to find his feet again here in in Paraguay. The, the Vecino is interesting, though, I think, because he's only 24. So it's a bit like when Bruera came to Nacional and he was this young striker who'd been doing okay, but but you weren't convinced he was good enough for Argentina Primera, and suddenly he was really good at, at the Paraguayan level. At least Bruera, when he's in Nacional, right? He was top scorer. So so Vecino maybe has that potential. But, but I agree in terms of quality, Uturbe is right up there. And then with the Olympia team, I mean, it's really interesting, right? What we're talking about, the, the key names we're, they're relying on are still the same names from before. Is Delis Gonzalez, is Richard Ortiz, is Saul Salcedo. Now he's back from injury because they couldn't rely on him last time round. Um, and then Prato is he's another he's another big name foreign striker who's aging. And those can really be hit or miss. And recently we had a lot of misses. I mean, Olympia's FIFA sanction comes about partly because they didn't pay Adebayor, which never worked out for them. Um, we think about Marcelo uh, Marcelo Moreno-Martins in Cerro, who was being coached by Chiquiase. They, he never managed to get him to work. So these, these big-name foreign strikers that are veterans have not come in recently and been able to to perform in Paraguay. The veterans that are doing well in terms of strikers are Oscar Cardoso, more less recently Roque Santa Cruz, but in his moment, Roque, who are the Paraguayans that are coming back to their home country. So we'll have to see how, how Prato goes down. I'm I'm also not convinced that he will he will necessarily be the big name they're they're looking for and can do that job. But but we can see and I think all of this again points to what we're talking about is they need to try and catch up with Libertad, and at the moment, Libertad are just looking so good because two players I'll just mention quickly that have just come back from loan <laughs> was Elvio Vera, who's been brilliant at Sportiva Emiliano, the winger, and then Ivan Franco, who's come back from Houston Dynamo. And while Ivan didn't have a great time here, I think he found it hard to fit into the system in MLS. We know his quality, talking about quality, it's up there with the Iturbe kind of level. He has the potential to, to play in Europe if he was to find the right team and the right system that fits him. So, I mean, it's, it's a scary prospect that that Libertad team that are coming on the back of winning every tournament possible last year. 
Yeah, it's going to be tough. It really is going to be tough to see where both these teams stand. And obviously, we still have to wait and see what other transfers that they'll get. If they're going to get more signings. Um, but, you know, Fanta, it, it looks like right now, especially, and yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens even with this Lierdad side, who obviously are going in with uh, a lot of expectation as well on their Adeliano, um, I think is. It's going to be interesting to see if he's able to continue this kind of success. You know, obviously, young manager, he's had his, his stints beforehand and whatnot and knows what it's like to manage. But now he gets a whole first new year. And, you know, obviously, the expectation for you at that is to do something well in the continental standpoint. I mean, obviously, we still got some time until that. But now's the time for really to put his money where his mouth is and to try to go and win something bigger, not just, you know, Paraguayan leagues or, or domestic titles or whatever. This is the reason why Garnero actually chose this team because Libertad gives you the best players you can get out there. Libertad has the best players right now. They have the best squad. But how you manage it, I think, is it's really on the coach. And that's something that Garnero did really well. I mean, manage those stars in that locker room, the Rocket Santa Cruz, the, get the best out of Oscar Cardoso, who was probably the best player last year in the, in the National League. And... Let's see if they can do it again. Let's see if they can motivate these players. Let's see if they can keep squeezing the the orange, uh, keep squeezing out of these players that are not that young anymore, but they still do it. It's still enough for the local league. That's why I think Olympia is choosing a player like Prato also, because you're seeing that right now the average or the players that uh, solve you these games in the national in the national league are these kind of players are the players above 30 years old are the players that have the experience that's what we're seeing right now in the local league maybe in five years it's totally different but you're looking at Luqueño they're, they're playing with Lucas Barrios you're, you're seeing a Libertad I just mentioned Tacuara Cardoso and Roque Santa Cruz and and you look at the other teams they, they have those experienced players I don't know where that's going to take us eventually, but near that, they, they have a spot available in defense because of what happened with Alexander Barbosa. They can fill it, they can fill it up easily with Gilberto Flores, like Ralph was mentioning. I think Luis Cardoso is the one that's actually practicing in that spot during the preseason because Gilberto is obviously with the national team. Uh, we'll see who ends up winning that spot there. And in the midfield, Hugo Martinez came back from injury those last games at the end of the year. He's going to get a starting spot probably in the midfield alongside Lucas Sanabria, who was one of the players that I mentioned, had the opportunity to leave the, the country. He had uh, several offers because of the way he ended last year. He's still very young, uh, so much ahead of him, but he's going to be there in that midfield probably with uh, Alex Silva, which was the big signing for them. And in, 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 in attack, they're going to have Ivan Franco, fight alongside with Elvio Frank, uh, Elvio Vera, which is one of the players that is coming back for a spot. And then you have Lorenzo Melgarejo, which which is a tremendous player that we didn't get to see much of that much of that uh, last run to get the, the clausura. So Libertad's going to be back to top shape. Libertad's going to get players eventually back also because they are starting the year with a couple of injured players. But they're the number one candidate, Roberto, and the other teams are going to have to catch up. And I don't know. I'm going to have to start looking into the other rosters, into the other teams to see if there's a surprise maybe this year. But to be honest, we're starting the year talking about Libertad, Olympia, and Cerro Porteño because they are the teams that should win this opportunity. Yeah, I'll go to Ralph as well. I mean, the pressure's on Libertad, really, for any team out there that are trying to spoil the party. I think Libertad are really the big favorites to win this tournament. Yeah, so I had to look past them and 
we've seen before that they can play the two tournaments because that's another thing we haven't really mentioned is that of course the these first few weeks there's not too much happening but then we hit Libertadores Sudamericana and that goes on throughout the whole year and for a lot of teams they have to they have to balance so they have to choose right which will I prioritize and for Libertad traditionally they haven't needed to because they they're able to to compete in both with that big squad that they um that they have i mean one thing just to think about that and, and just look at the opening games i do think cerro have a quite easy run at the start which is good news for them because they're missing jean fernandez for the the goalkeeper for the first few, few games um but they have for example emiliano who's just lost their their coach who stepped down surprisingly as i mentioned and then they have the promoted teams i think dos de mayo uh maybe sol and they have general caballero or basically they have four the first four games are not they don't play any big teams whereas libertad have to actually hit the ground running against guarani which is a bit of a tougher game um olympia i think in those first three four games have nacional who maybe nacional won't be focused because actually nacional have to play the the copa libertadores qualifiers so talking about balancing and prioritizing maybe they'll prioritize that potential big money game um over the league but still i mean i think in in terms of the three sides it's it's cerro that have the chance really to get the points on the board and, and make a good start you know maybe that puts a bit of pressure on libertad there's also this idea in paraguay that you don't need to win both tournaments libertad did it last year because they were so good but you can always kind of let one tournament go and then win the next one um if you want to focus on something else and so that can happen too if after the first half of the season which is only 11 games you see one team is really pretty much going to run away with this league title okay let's you know let's take our time use some of the under 19s because we have to do that to to avoid uh, any fines and and points deductions and things uh, and focus on our continental competition and we'll we'll give it a good go in the clausura so that could also in theory happen with libertad i think in practice it is unlikely because of that big squad they have but Let's see after those first four games when we're talking about how everybody started that's going to be really really interesting. No, I just wanted to go back on the Olympia situation guys because it is finally over for Olympia. I mean, they were able to get those big numbers that they had on their shoulders off of them, especially the Adebayo situation and I think Nico Dominguez uh, was the other one. The Adebayo just to put it in numbers was around $700,000. I mean, we're talking a huge debt. It was not easy for them to get this money. Uh, I was actually hearing the press conference from the uh president Cardona and he was talking about uh, a number around 60 million dollars which is pretty much what Olympia has been paying these last couple of years trying to get the sanctions off of off of them and this is huge i believe not only for Olympia but for the Paraguayan game itself i mean Olympia is one of those teams that's always signing big players is always getting ready to fight for the title and they've been kind of uh on a not lately Roberto they they've had their hands stuck between their pockets and every money they could have taken it was going straight to FIFA they weren't able to move their money around they weren't able to sign players so this is going to be big i believe for the 2024 season Olympia is coming back to shape Olympia is finally off all these millions of dollars that they needed to pay yeah no i think it's a it's a big uh release from their sh big pressure from their shoulder that's being released from them but yeah we have to wait and see what they can do and you know how much little time that they have to be able to get people i'm sure they have a plan and i'm, I'm curious to see that olympia won't be able to to mess up this time around especially after 
seeing what Libertad do, the same thing for Cedro. I think they need to understand that they're not trying to see Libertad win any more titles, that they want to go back and, and win it. Cedro, they've what, four straight uh, second-place finishes. That's uh, that's not good for Cedro. They definitely want to do that. For Olympia, they want to go back and, and win titles again because that's that's their that's their DNA. That is what they've been always accustomed to. So obviously we'll wait and see what happens to all these teams as we preview the opportunity starting next week. We'll have a look on that uh, starting next week. And obviously, yeah, in a lot of tournaments, I'm really excited for what's going to be a really good 2024 for, for all of us and hopefully with a lot of success as well. So to close out this episode of Widening Vision for myself, Roberto Rojas, Fede Perez, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening in. See you soon.